0: Hi again, everyone. Welcome to episode 71 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. I'm Tim along with Anthony, and uh, it is just about All Star weekend here in Northeast Ohio. And of course, Cleveland is the host in 2019 of the All Star game, and the Indians right now and missed playing their final game before the break down in Cincinnati. And the tribe has been playing really good baseball for about the last Three, four weeks, and I uh, have really uh, changed some tunes of a lot of fans out there. And all of a sudden, you see some ray of hope from a lot of people, and including myself. And I wasn't as down as others, because I know how long the season is. But uh, coming into tonight's game, or today's mm-hmm. game, there's six games out. There were one time, what, 11 or 12 games out a few weeks back? Yeah,
1: 11 and a half. as a game
0: first or second. Year. Yeah. So... They've made up a lot of grounds, and they got the Twins coming into town after the All-Star break. It's going to get, I think, going to be a fun second half of the season. The next 75 games are going to be a lot of intrigue. Now all the rumors about trades may go out the door where they thought they were going to be sellers. They'll now become buyers, and I still say if they can find themselves an outfielder who's a right-handed stick, so the Tribe's been playing good baseball, like we said earlier. Just six games out, and uh, looks like they're going to be an interesting All-Star break. And let's see about three weeks to the trading deadline.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it, it's incredible. If you you know you just think, I mean, less than a month ago, this team was thirty-one and thirty-one and they were – or they after 28 and 29, and they were staring at the Twins, the Yankees, a six-game set right in the face, and you were thinking, oh, boy, this could get out of control really fast. And then ever since then, the Cleveland Indians are, record-wise, the best team in baseball, and yeah. they're playing as the hottest team in baseball considering everything they've been through um, – The schedule, if you look at it, the next month outside of Minnesota does not look very challenging. You get the Twins right out of the all-star break, and then you don't see a team above 500 until the Houston Astros come in, who've been slumping here in the last month and a half or so. Um, So you get Detroit, Kansas City, Toronto. You have a lot of games against subpar teams that you've already cleaned up on, and you could look up. August 1st, then the Indians could be 14, 15 above 500, which is absolutely astounding because a month ago, like we said, you and I were thinking, well, you know, 81 to 81 looks good. The offense was dead last or near dead last in every offensive category. And now all of a sudden they're hitting bombs left and right, and Roberto Perez is nearing the team league in home runs. Uh, it's. Yeah it's been a surprising turnaround Um, and it really dated back to, like we talked about the whole Carlos Carrasco thing. And when they got their teeth kicked in in Chicago, they had that really one ugly game where they threw the ball around. And ever since then they've, they've righted the ship and the second half since 2013 has been the Indians best half of the season. So if you would have told me this, April or May, uh, I think I would have called you – I think a lot of people would have called you crazy. But here you are, like you said, at the opening. Th- this team has completely changed from sellers to – they're not like, going to sell anything right now.
0: I don't put anything past the possibility of any surprises. Um, I don't necessarily think Bauer going to get traded. I think if it's the right deal, they'll make it no matter what because the Indians are a progressive team who is always thinking of today and tomorrow in their moves. So I would not like – I'm not expecting it now. Uh, Especially when Bauer had that slump for about six, seven games pitching the Indians. I think his value fluctuated so much during that time period that they may not get Mm -hmm. the exact value that they were looking for. I don't know that for a fact, just kind of a thought process. And right now, he's kind of been your anchor in your starting line – rotation because every fifth day he takes the ball yep he's done a great job on that level and he's gotten better recently he seems to have made adjustments and uh seems to get more healthy and Mm -hmm. we're seeing kind of what we've seen earlier in the season when he first started uh so he may have some nicks and uh, some bruises along the way and he's worked his way through it the question i have is if they get an offensive player and assuming it's a right-handed bat, and I don't know it will be, but let's, you know, go with that thought process for a moment. Same idea, an outfielder or a second baseman. Much as I like Kipness, much as I, if you really had a chance to upgrade, I think you have to do it. And maybe he's part of the trade. I doubt it. But it's just a thought process. You know, I look at the Indians at the All-Star break. I'm excited. And congratulations to the All-Stars. You know, you look at Carlos Carrasco. I mean, not Carrasco, but Car- Carlos Santana. Uh, Shane Bieber just announced uh, yesterday, making the all-star team, expected uh, Francisco Lindor to get there. And he did. And of course, Brad Hand. I don't want to forget Brian Hand. So i mean, four representatives. And as you mentioned, we talked about it last time we talked that Perez is on the outside looking in and maybe on the cuffs of an all-star mm-hmm. uh, bid. But I'm not sure who the other catchers are. And, you know, usually carry three catchers in an All-Star game. And barring an injury, I just don't know if they would make room for another. Though I will give uh, make, uh, Major League Baseball a tip of the cap here. Inviting CC Sabathia to the All-Star game.
1: I agree with his that. In his final
0: year was- and in Cleveland. I think it's yep. a terrific thing. And I hope he gets a wonderful, terrific ovation, similar to what he had when he made his last pitching appearance in Cleveland. And it would be great to see him get on the mound in the all-star game one more time, even though it's the dreaded Yankees uniform. You know, he spent the majority of his career with two teams. That's the Indians and the Yankees. So let's uh, let's send him off right. And uh, it's kind of exciting to watch. Uh, really kudos to
1: Major League Baseball for bringing CC back home, recognizing him and all that he's done for the game. Uh, when he came up uh, with the Indians, he uh, transcended the Indians uh, – and carried them on the brink of a world series and, you know, the series against Boston and what many people believe if they were to get past Boston, they would face Colorado and probably would have beaten the Rockies, but that's here nor there. Everything he's done for the Indians on and off the field, the uh, the charitable contributions, everything he's done for the city of Cleveland and the uh, greater Northeast Ohio area. uh, He gave a lot of fans, a lot of pride uh, while he was wearing chief
0: Wahoo. Yeah. You know, even more than that, Anthony, I look at it this way: He was the turning point of the philosophy of the Cleveland Indians under John yep. Hart. He was much uh, an offensive guy and get as much pitching as necessary to win. Uh, when he left, of course, Shapiro took over and made the trade. You know, Bartolo Cologne, both of those two were kind of the core of the new mm-hmm. group of young, developing pitchers. And you look how the Indians have really seized that going into the. Mid-2000s, you know, when they were very good, it was a pitching-dominated team again. You know, this resurgence of the Indians under Francona has again uh, circled around pitching. And, you know, with Kluber and Clevenger and Bauer and, you know, Carrasco and all of them that have come up. And you look at all the young guys that they have used this season. You know, you can pinpoint that Bartolo Colon and CC Sabathia was a turning point in the philosophy of the organization – uh, from going looking for the next uh, Manny Ramirez for and Jim Tomey and those type of players were mm-hmm. great off, phenomenal hall of famers and they did an th- amazing job on that level and they did have a lot of players come up that had some some real power and some um, major league ability but they never had the pitching back then and now it just they, they've kind of changed that philosophy where pitching is first And offense players come and and go, and they got it. And let's face it, they've they've hit home runs on both sides of the plate because internationally signing like a Ramirez and drafting a Frankie Mm -hmm. Lindor and all that as they're coming up through the the system. So they really have done it more than people give credit for. But if I had to look back and pinpoint two players that I think the Indians really, when they drafted them and signed them, thought they had a uh, potential – All-star type pitcher, and it was in CC Sabathia, and Bartolo Cologne back then. And You know, they ended up trading Cologne, both of them, actually, but they traded Cologne and got, you know, Cliff Lee, who ended up winning Cy Young. And then you go back, you go farther. They, They traded for a Kluber, and they traded for a Clevenger. They traded for a Bauer. They've done a great job of identifying players. And now you look at some of the young guys coming up and some of the potential they're showing. It's, you know, on that level, you can see why I think Terry Francona, when he was first given a call about managing the Indians seven years ago, was like, no, this is the job I want. Yep. These are the people I know I've worked with before and what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that was all of it, but I'm sure that it had to go through his mind of knowing what philosophies they were doing and what they were trying to achieve and how they were trying to achieve it, uh, made a big difference. And I'm excited. I mean, I I know it's July, but yeah, I like where the Indians are headed, and I and I see things. I see the past, you know, being saluted, and the future looking bright. So it's not going to be all roses. I know that, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good things to be excited for. And I mentioned this so long, so many times. Baseball's a marathon. Don't, you know, what happens in April and May can put you in a deep hole and maybe never recover. But in the end, it's a 162 game marathon and it takes time. Look at all the changes the Indians have made this year and look where they're at right now. You've got to give credit to those who made those decisions and how they've gone and the players who have now stepped up and made plays. And in the end, it comes down to talent. I've always been a Firm believer, if you don't have talent, you can't win, no matter exactly. what level it is. So, uh, The Indians are gaining more in that, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward here in the next uh, you know, 75 games this year and going forward. I think uh, Fangraft now has them at 50% for a wild mm-hmm. card position, and like I said, six games out at the All-Star break, maybe five games after today. You never know. Anything's possible. Yeah, it's, that's a really good point. I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago,
1: and... Uh, it was when we were eight or nine out, and I and we said, if we can get to six, even seven out, going to the all-star break, you have the Twins coming in for three, uh, you'd be sitting in a really good spot. And then uh, we shifted our focus to the wild card, and we said, well, 86 wins probably get you one of the two wild card spots, and that would be playing 10 above 500, not bad. And if, you, if the playoffs started today, the Indians would have October baseball back at Progressive Field. Uh, and you still have three or four more games against Tampa Bay. Uh, so the division and the wild card are right in shot. And the Twins, you know, the Indians had all their injuries in April and May, and everybody going down left and right. And now it seems of late Minnesota starting to leak some water with the injuries to Odorizzi. And Cano was in the DL for a little bit. Bucs was in the DL. Marwan Gonzalez, the Indian killer, was on the DL. So, the Twins are starting to have their unfortunate luck with the DL like every team does. And maybe the Indians are catching them at the right time. Who knows? So the Twins oh, are that's
0: all. Like five. you said, it's all part of baseball. I agree yeah, with it's, you there. And, you know, um, there's absolute so, loss the entire season, and injuries are part of it. And the Indians did have their share of injuries early in the season. And as you just mentioned, the Twins are going through a tough spot right now. So – It'll be interesting to watch. There's no question. Last,
1: last year at this time, the Indians were 49 and 38 also. Yeah. And if, and comparing the two teams, you almost got to feel better where the Indians are at now at 49 and 38 than last year at 49 and 38, given everything that they've gone through this year, losing three-fifths of your starting rotation, uh, losing the bash you did lose, and It's been nice, like you said. It's been a look at the future, but also looking back at the past. And uh, those two things are starting to gel right now. He has some really bright young arms that you mentioned and a really bright center fielder, Oscar Mercado, who made, again, another incredible catch yesterday. And game by game, he's starting to gain confidence in his uh, defensive ability in center field. So fought on by you, a look to the future, but – also saluting the past. The Indians are are finding themselves in the midst of a playoff hunt again.
0: Oh, there's no question. They're they're doing well. You know, I brought up his name a couple times earlier just talking about pitchers and saying the wrong Carlos. The news about Carlos Carrasco came out this earlier this week about his uh fumia. And uh, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how it goes. He thinks he's gonna be back within the month. Um, maybe that's true. I, don't, I have no idea. We just all I can say is like all other fans, our thoughts are with him. And we knew it was something serious when they said it was a blood disorder. And let's just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, beyond baseball, let's just care for the the individual and make sure he gets better, just like last year when the uh, the Indians found out about Martin's you know, illness and how close he came into uh, facing his own mort- mortality. And the right doctors, the right prescriptions, the right organization – you know the right person to handle this, and uh, like I said, my just my thoughts and uh, prayers for uh, Carrasco going forward because uh, he's a fun guy. That you know, as an Indian fan, he's fun to listen to, and uh, he loves having fun in the dugout and uh, still in the mic from Andre uh, Not and other things. So, mm-hmm. you and I n- hopefully will never ever experience something like that, and uh, we just wish him the best.
1: You know, an unfortunate break that uh, Carrasco has to deal with now, and. Uh, Like you talked about, he keeps the clubhouse loose. He's one of the better guys for the clubhouse and keeping them loose uh, no matter when they're going really well or not going so well. Uh, Carrasco is always in the mix of the fun and trying to keep – you know, the one thing I think, you you know, guys want to be remembered, it's – you hear a lot of – well, my numbers are great, but they won't be remembered as a good teammate. And I, I think Carlos Carrasco, to a man everybody who's played with him will say he's a great teammate. He's probably one of the best. And the good news, like you said, he has the right doctors in the Cleveland Clinic, uh, some of the best in the world. Hopefully, from what it sounds like, maybe the Indians and their doctors caught this soon enough. They say it's a treatable form, and hopefully he can beat this awful disease. And maybe one day in the near future, return to the mound. But right now, like you said, first and foremost, let's get him healthy and um, get him back around the team, feeling his normal self, because uh, he's an integral part of this clubhouse, and uh, he's been one of the main reasons why the Clevelanders have had as, as much success as anyone in the league.
0: Oh, well, there's no question about it. So, all right, let's move on to some uh, kind of fun stuff. Uh, the All Star Weekend's coming about. Yes. Tonight is the Futures game, Futures which they game. changed yes. uh, to a seven inning game, which makes no sense to me, but that's what they did. Uh, they what? Yeah, they made it a seven inning game. Since uh, when do minor league baseball play? Seven? Years what? of thought process where there was not enough pitching. This is the way to save the pitching. Well, okay, they changed well, the that makes sense, this man. year. Okay, it used to be USA versus the world. The world, yeah. It's not that no more. It's, it's just, not? No, it's just two teams. And the reason they did that is because over the years that they did the USA versus the world, the world never had enough, enough pitching. Yeah. So by putting the two teams together, uh, what Balance is it? Balance out. Right, to balance out the pitching yeah, and, and yeah. not to tax the pitching. They shortened the game to seven innings for the first time, which I don't get, but that's what they chose to do. If you're going to show off players, show off the players. Let them play yeah. all nine innings and uh, just expand the roster. Make sure they have enough pitching. That's no, I would... That's the way I look at it. But baseball doesn't always make the best decisions. They make uh, rash decisions at times. and No, they don't. Uh, I don't quite get it. I. I just think if you're going to show off young talent and then call it the futures game, have a full game. I have no problem with not being USA versus the world. I just found out about that earlier this week because I thought it was still that format. Yeah, Uh, But it's not. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it going forward. And uh, the Indians have a few players. I think three players total. Two of them. Two Two or three, yeah. The Nolan
1: Jones and uh, uh, Daniel Johnson. You could see Daniel Johnson up here in Cleveland in September when they – expanded rosters. So, uh, two young guys, a corner infielder and a corner outfielder that have turned a lot of heads and in, in the minor leagues I believe Nolan Jones was just recently promoted to double a Akron. So, uh, he's on the rise and, uh, Daniel Johnson, like we talked about when I was down there, had a really good spring and he's in triple a Columbus now. So it'll be fun to see those two guys. they will be, they will be counted on. And, uh, You'll see them in Cleveland wearing the Indians uniform here in a couple years.
0: Well, and then uh, tomorrow night is the home run contest, uh, home run derby, whatever you yes. want to call it. And that should be a lot of what fun. Who's your time. pick to that? Uh, I would love to say Carlos Santana, but my pick is actually Josh Bell. I think Josh Bell is just going to go. Is off. It?
1: Boy, he is hitting absolute missiles. I mean, he doesn't. You think, you know, home runs are. You know, the way they're hitting him now is incredible. But I watched Josh Bell last week, and the three he hit against the Cubs, they reached over 400 feet. I, they're absolutely incredible. I'm yeah, going to go with a – he's having a an historic season That's that I don't think anybody really foresaw coming. He showed some problems with the Pirates the last couple years, but Roy really never put it all together, and that's a nice pick. I'm going to go – with Pete Alonzo from the Mets. I, I think Alonzo is going to surprise some people. Unfortunately, I'll, unfortunately, uh, Santana's matched up with Alonzo in the first round, I believe. So, yes, he is. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Santana wins it. I'll watch it just because our guy's in it. It'll be fun. I kind of hey. like the bracket format now. I think it's a lot better than... It, it, it makes it very... A lot more interesting... Uh, with the bracket format than it has in years past.
0: Well, I'm kind of the opposite. I still like to round Robin first round yeah. and then bracket the the final four is the way I would do it. Back to final four. Yeah. I mean, I round too. Robin would makes more sense because then the four best home run performances move on and then you can bracket it as a one to four on that level, you know, one versus four, two that versus makes sense. three. Yeah. And I think it'd just be more more exciting because then you have the four best home runs producers going forward in a bracket situation. I can, you know, someone could defeat another player, you know, nine to eight in home runs. Yeah. And, but someone may lose a 14, 13 battle and the 13 guy had a better performance, but he's going to be out. So I honestly think it still should be around Robin in the first round. And then, go ahead and reseed seed them as they produced in the first round 1 through 4 1 versus 4 2 versus 3 i mean that's the way yeah. i would do i understand why they do this cuz they can make a, a fantasy thing out of it uh you can bet on it more yep and that's I, way it's that, going and that's why it's wow. done i mean let's, let's be honest that's exactly why it's being done uh this way so we'll see uh, i don't mind the brackets i just think uh the best way would be a round robin first round and then reseed uh by performances in the first round one for one versus four two versus three and then go on for there for the finals you know whoever gets to the finals gets to the finals that's a good point i i agree with that with i kind of like to see
1: an al and an nl champion and then have those two meet up yeah i think a, they did that years like ago. they did years ago a long time ago they used to do that and Way, way, way back then.
0: Right, and I've, I'm not concerned either way. It should be a lot of fun, and uh, I think you'll, you're going to see a lot of home runs. and yeah. Like I said, I'll root for Santana because he's the Indian to have fun. I mean, I remember when Tommy won it years ago, and others. And uh, I believe there's actually a million dollars to the winner now. Yeah, there is. There so is. Yes, it's there's there's players. huge incentive to these players uh, going forward uh, on a personal level. So it'll, I think it'll be a lot of fun uh, watching it, and. We'll see uh, see what goes forward. And then they have the All-Star game on Tuesday night. It's the All-Star game. It's going to be fun. It's going to – you know, yeah. some of my favorite parts of the All-Star game is the pregame uh, when they introduce the team, you know, to the mm-hmm. introduce each player and they tip their cap and you get the round of uh, applause and stuff like that. So that's always been, you know, my highlight. Uh, for all star games, the games themselves—some of them are great games, some of them are oh, lousy yeah, games, those some those of them are good really okay games, games you yeah. know—which uh, is fine. I mean, that's what you get, you know. And usually, pitching dominance, you know, over the years. Uh, historically,
1: Cleveland has yeah. had some pretty good all star games here, and so is some pretty good all star games. So they have.
0: You are correct. And what, I've enjoyed,
1: what I've enjoyed, what I've enjoyed, you make a really good point. Is you know, the all star game itself is fun. It's enjoyable. We'll watch it, but. The stuff beforehand is really cool, like you said, the introductions and uh, the pregame stuff. I've really enjoyed the uh, Sports Time Ohio All-Star Week and their and their shows that they've had on. That's been really fun to watch. And I don't know if you caught it a couple of days ago on the. I believe it aired on the fourth. The twenty-five greatest moments of of uh, Progressive Field. I seen parts
0: Sports. of that. Yeah, there
1: was. There's a lot of fun memories there. Yeah, it was an interesting list. Like, oh, yeah, that happened. And, oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting list. A couple – you know, there's been so many that it, it's almost impossible to choose from. You
0: can't. You can't have a perfect list. No. There's there's games that are going to be left off or performances that are going to be left off just because you can only have 25. And uh, I thought they did a pretty good list overall. Uh, you know, and uh, having yeah, – Raj- Yeah, I thought the list was – Raja Davis as the, uh, number one, I have no problem with that. And, uh, cause I was game seven. I, three, I agree with that. 100%. I have no problem with that. And it was fun to watch. I didn't I 100%. see 100%. I didn't see it all, but I seen the last three or four and I seen the list and I thought they did a pretty good job overall. Um, you can always nitpick and find other games and, or our performances. That's just part of the game. And, uh, you know, like I said, when you have a list of, uh, X amount, someone's going to be left off. Someone's going to be om- omitted that you think it makes mm-hmm. no sense. And just like any list, if you do that, then someone has to come off the list to put them on. So who yep. do you take off? So, I mean, it's yep. a lot easier said than done. And, but I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a good time of the year. It's a good time for everything. And uh, at the same time, uh, the NBA uh, has had their summer blitz. And uh, continues. This year, I think, puts the exclamation point on how the game has changed in the NBA on this level. It's a players' league, and no one's ever said it's not a players' league. That means the players do have quite a, quite control over their their chosen field and the teams mm-hmm. that they play for. It, and that's just the way it works. What's really different today? Years ago, you could build a team. A GM an organization would, would put a, a three- to five-year plan together and find an all-star or and try to build it, uh, kind of like the Cavaliers did under Wayne Emery, but they ran into Michael Jordan in what the mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls did. And that was a phenomenal work of finding your all-stars, putting people around them, and making that work each and every time. And they were uh, really a dynasty. Um, but that was a team that was built organically and then they added pieces as time went by you know it was within the organization today it's not that way because of what i call the lebron james era of the nba where players then really took advantage of their their power within the league their to make, power yeah. yeah to make the changes that they want and pursue championships the way they see necessary versus like a team try to build a, a championship yes, yeah. Uh, they build the stake on 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 the plate, and then you put all the helpings, you know, all the sides next to it to make it work. You know, LeBron James has been is the at the forefront. When he left Cleveland the first time to Miami, they, you know, it was to join Wade and bring in big three, yeah, yeah the big three, and the, just the way it went from there. Uh, and then when he came back to Cleveland, it was the same thing. Cleveland had parts, and then they traded for Love and. You know, they had Kyrie, and then they built parts around it. used all their assets to do that. You've seen what Kyrie and Kevin Durant teaming up in Brooklyn this past, you know, week. And Mm -hmm. then you've seen was essentially a a two-player trade, even though one player was never part of that organization. You know, when um, Leonard decided to leave Toronto and go to the Clippers and just said, hey, I'm going to bring – Yep. Leonard making a, uh, a pitch and recruiting, you know, Paul to come with him to the Clippers. And sure enough, you know, they were able to pull that off. Now, give the Thunders all the credit in the world. They took a heist back. Oh, my God. I, a, agree five, five, uh, I agree with that. Five number one picks.
1: And five number one picks and a lottery pick guaranteed, plus a promising point guard in Gilgis Alexander.
0: Yeah, they got an yeah.
1: absolute heist back. And- oh,
0: yeah. And they got the option to uh, switch two different drafts yes. necessary. Yes. So, you no, know, they, they absolutely got a heist. Oh. And congratulations on them for getting maximum value. Unlike when the Cavaliers traded Kyrie Irving, they got less than maximum. Nothing. Well, we'll get a heist back for uh, Russell Westbrook, too, and they trade him in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, and chance yeah, are he will be.
1: know him now.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. Uh, Just the dynamics of the NBA has changed so much in the last 15, 20 years uh, where, you know, teams used to have the ability to make trades and build a team. Uh, The last great trade, you could say was Leonard, you know, going from San Antonio to Toronto to win a championship. And it happened Uh, prior to that. You really have to go back to what Danny Ainge did uh, back in the mid two thousands where he was able to, to form the first big three through a couple trades, and uh, win one championship and compete for a couple more uh, before you know LeBron James went down to uh, Miami and stole all the thunder. It, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, Brooklyn right now, you got to think you got to be the favorite in the East. Yeah, yeah, Brooklyn and, and, and- yeah. I don't know if Durant's going to be playing right away, but still, it doesn't matter. He's still Kevin Durant. Yeah, it
1: doesn't. You know, you probably. Yeah, it's, it's got to be between even if Durant's out this year, which is probably the likely scenario, Brooklyn and Milwaukee to be the two teams to battle yeah. it out for the East. And I think you're maybe right, Boston. You know, but then you know, but then again, it will probably be, be the how
0: the unfortunate the Western
1: Conference Finals will probably be the NBA champion.
0: Yeah, how unfortunate it is to be my uh, Milwaukee right now. Being in a small market that has trouble attracting superstars. Now, they drafted well. They've built their team organically. And it's a very good team that has a chance to continue to improve. Very fun to watch. Yeah. And very well may be, like you said, the best team in the East. But you look at all the seismic changes that happened uh, through free agency and trades this uh, offseason. Makes you wonder if they'll ever have that opportunity to uh, bring home a championship and how fortunate Cleveland was that LeBron James came back and, you know, we went the four championship game or series and and actually had the most epic comeback of all time and, and win a championship because there's no guarantees the way that it's set up today that it'll ever, uh, ever happen again. Let's just put it this way. I'm, I'm less optimistic that uh, if you're a mid-major or a uh, small market that you'll ever see a a championship team very often and it's gonna be difficult in the NBA more difficult in the NBA than Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball is difficult to win as a mid to low uh, small market
1: yeah yeah it's incredibly difficult we've seen the Indians you know talking about small market teams Uh, the Indians have probably drafted draft and Supplement, plug in pieces through free agency and trades, and uh, that's that's unfortunately not the way to do it in the NBA. You made a great point about the Milwaukee Bucks. You know they've drafted a lot of really good guys and uh, they developed them, and they're a lot of fun to watch. But but like you talked about it, it's almost impossible for them to draw big name free agents there um, when you got the glitz and the glam of LA and New York and all this. It's it's it makes it really tough. Uh, for teams like that to compete. And unfortunately, uh, when Giannis Kumpo's free agency comes, it, you know, you don't want to jump the gun and say he's guaranteed to leave. But if you look at Milwaukee, it's nothing against Milwaukee. It's like this team doesn't give me the best chance to win a championship because well, of an army. Let's, i
0: let's got to go somewhere so, big. Yeah, let's look. use history as an example. When was the last superstar? who became a free agent in his prime in the NBA, who re-signed with that original team? That's a good question. Kobe Bryant? Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan, yeah. You're talking, uh, I mean, you're talking 15 years ago. Yeah, this
1: is – I told my friend yesterday, he's a Lakers fan, there's only been two guys in the last 20, 25 years that have stayed with their franchise
0: the whole time, and that's Kobe and Tim Duncan. Right and i mean tim duncan was never going to leave san antonio because he never wanted to and kobe was a star in la and they were never going to let him leave no Uh, they chose him over shaquille o'neal yeah that was kobe's franchise yeah and that's exactly it. they chose him over o'neal for the simple reason he was younger and they had more you know building blocks around him. so i get it you know that's just the way it works and uh you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Who's going to win the next championship? We'll just have to wait and see. And uh, don't discount the other most organic-grown team, uh, starting not starting over, but you know, losing Durant, but uh, and losing Clay Thompson to injuries. I mean, it's going to be a difficult year for Golden State. But they're still yeah, Golden State, so you got to give them a, you know their props and their opportunity to surprise people because uh, when you count them out, they usually win.
1: Now it gets interesting, you know, there's been rumors of the Warriors possibly trading D'Angelo Russell after they just acquired him through a signing trade. Do they go ahead and make that move, or do they, they hold on to him and pair him with Curry and Thompson when Thompson gets back healthy? It'll be really interesting to see. And unfortunately, I think the Eastern Conference is going to be overshadowed because you got everybody, if you're not talking about the, the Warriors, we're going to be talking about the Lakers or Clippers or the Rockets, and if you're not talking about those guys, you're going to be talking about all the Be beyond Zion Williamson and he's in New Orleans in the Western conference still. Yeah. So
0: it's going to be like, you can go
1: battle for the teams in the East, but, but it's, it's going to be overlooked this tilted. year. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just the way it's the NBA is heavy. going on this year.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a dogfight out in the West and a survival in, in the East, meaning you know, who takes control and, and, and chooses what they do. But, yeah. It would be interesting. I just going to say I I noticed, you know, you know, a few years you've seen this seismic change in the NBA where the players really becoming the owners of the league and uh it's going to be interesting to see how long this dynamic stays. It could stay for the next 30 years. It could be a very small little blimp on the radar. But yeah, it's difficult. I wouldn't want to be a GM in the NBA today cuz your job in the G- as a GM is to create salary cap space and then recruit yep. a superstar and have them recruit others to bring along with you. Go um, so superstar. Yeah. yeah, That's yep. just the way it works. It's not like it used to be where scouting and drafting and finding um, unsung heroes to become heroes. that That's not part of the game no more. It is uh, literally about creating c- cap room sca- uh, space, having that superstar and then recruiting others and having that superstar help you recruit others. To form your team that's just the way it is it's it's the way the system has been built fortunately the system that
1: we live in nowadays and i would not want to be an nba gm that's not a very thankful position because your job, your job description like you talked about has completely flipped from creating cap you know from developing guys and drafting guys to you better clear a ton of cap space and hope to God you can get a guy in who is a superstar, but also hope that superstar can recruit other superstars to play with them. So,
0: yeah, I would not want to be an NBA GM. No, no question about it. Hey, let's wrap this up. Before we wrap yep. it up, I do want to say this. I didn't get a chance to watch it today. I, would, I was working this morning, but the United States women's soccer team came home with the, yes. the World Cup for the fourth time. Uh, not a surprise, but uh, congratulations to all involved. When I mean by not a surprise, uh, talk about a team with high expectations every time they they get on a field. Uh, I don't know if yep. there's a higher expectation that needs to be met every time uh, a team's on the field than the United States women's soccer team, because uh, the expectations is gold and the expectations is World Cups, and boy, they they come through every time.
1: Every time and uh they've been the model of consistency they're the modern day dynasty we talk about the words we talk about all these teams uh but we don't talk enough about them and they are the dynasty they are the dynasty in professional sports international sports mm-hmm. back-to-back world cup champions it's incredible that uh like you talked about the amount of scrutiny on them every time they take the field they have to perform not at a a winning level. You have to be perfect and you have to dominate. It just hats off to them for Catherine yet another World Cup and just continue the dynasty.
0: As you mentioned, they play an, an elite.
1: And they have to play at an elite level. Every time they step on the field, no matter if it's a friendly, no matter if it's a World Cup or an Olympic match and um uh, the modern day dynasty in professional sports.
0: It really is. And uh you know, we don't talk a lot of soccer on this uh podcast and especially women's world cup and stuff like that, just because uh, it's not around. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't get a chance to watch many games. If any, I, I watched portions of some, but I didn't get to see them all just because of my schedule and when it was. And of course, obviously it's in Europe, not in, in North America. So, you know, a lot of the, the games were during the day, one or two or three o'clock in the afternoon and, uh, or early in the morning. So uh, just one of those things is during the, uh, in a little work thing, working part of the day. Yeah. but Needless to say, uh, all of them did a phenomenal job. And any sports fan in uh, the United States, proud of what they have achieved. And uh, our, at least my hat goes off to them. And congratulations. And I look forward to seeing them. and I mean, someday I'll have a, an opportunity to watch them play live. I wouldn't mind doing that. It'd be uh, quite a uh, an experience to say you've seen the uh, maybe the best of the best play at their sport.
1: Yeah, it's – Honestly, incredible feat and an incredible accomplishment. And, you know, like I said, again, they're the, the, the dynasty in sports that uh, we don't talk enough about. You know, it comes around a couple of times. Every know, four years like for the
0: World Cup, every couple they, of years for basketball. the uh, yeah, for the gold medal, stuff like that. So, you yeah. Know, so right. it's every
1: couple of years we're talking about them. Exactly. The
0: focused every, you know, not like football or
1: basketball, they're in the focus every single day. It's
0: it's an amazing achievement. Every
1: couple of years they're in the. Yeah, it's an incredible accomplishment. and uh, They'll probably be the favorites again to win the Olympic gold medal when that comes around, I believe,
0: next year. Yeah, I believe so.
1: Next year well, is the you
0: – know. With the, the crazy weather we've had, it looks like the internet has given us some uh, bleeps and bloops throughout the, yeah. uh, this podcast for the first time in a while. So let's wrap it up, and I will uh, I will talk to you soon, and uh, maybe we'll have a special podcast uh, this time next week.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, You know, looking forward to maybe a special edition of this podcast somewhere, uh, somehow.
0: uh, We'll see uh, what we can't do to help the listeners out. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. So my thanks to all of you for listening. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter and uh, anywhere else on social media. And, of course, our webpage, RadioMVP.com. High school football is not far away. And we'll talk more about that coming up real soon here on Radio MVP. So for Anthony in Canfield, I'm Tim Borman. We'll talk to you next time here on Radio MVP Sports Podcast.